Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen. I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. But first, Keith, what are your thoughts of the playoffs so far? I think we've had some absolutely incredible games that have been, you know, a lot of fun. Both of the the Kings Warriors games were great, minus the stomping and grabbing of legs stuff uh, that I think we could all do without. But I think, you know, those games were good. Clippers Suns was good. The, unfortunately, the big story is injuries already. We've had several players go go down. We know Tyler Hero's out likely for the rest of the playoffs. We'll see about John Moran. We, we don't have the you know, final word on what's going on with him yet. And then Giannis, we're all kind of waiting to see what's happening with him after uh, he, he rolled an ankle or, or hurt his back, rather. I apologize. Um, so, yeah, it's injuries are always the story. They're just not usually this big of a story uh, after week one or weekend one of the playoffs. Yeah, this is uh this could be the playoff season of depth is going to be even more important than it has been in the past. Yeah, I, I, I think there's definitely some truth to that. I, I think we're in a position where uh, we could really see, you know, these teams that are built, there's only a few left that are built solely, you know, almost kind of around one or two guys. It's they're going to struggle, I think, to some some point. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely some truth in that. I think that's been proven over the last few regular seasons that if you want to get into the playoffs with good positioning, you need to have a deeper roster than maybe what some of these teams have gone with recently. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be you know really interesting to see how these teams adjust and react. And the, this is where the playoffs get fun is in games two and three because you see the adjustments, then the adjustments to those adjustments, and that's that's the fun part of the playoffs and playing the same team you know four to seven times over a two-week period. Yeah, absolutely. Well, our focus today is Charlotte Hornets and then to the last two positional free agent rankings that you have worked on and done analysis on. We're going to focus on the Charlotte Hornets today. And I know you've got a bunch of other pieces coming uh, later this week here. And then we'll, so we'll really be focusing on more of the teams coming up in the next few episodes here. But for today, Charlotte Hornets, um, you posted this piece last week. What direction should the Hornets be going in? There's a lot. As I looked at the roster here and I looked at your analysis and the more I thought about it, this team, it's interesting <laughs> from the ownership standpoint to the injuries that some of their core players have had. What do you do with LaMelo Ball? Um, so in your mind, what direction should the Hornets be going in? Yeah, I think – they're they're in a somewhat tough spot because if you looked at it on its face, you would say, well, this is a team that needs to really rebuild, and you know they they should be you know moving on from from the handful of veteran guys that they have. So whether that be Gordon Hayward via trade or Terry Rozier via trade or just a a guy like Kelly Oubre leave in free agency or got play players like that, but then. You have to look and say, well, but they have LaMelo Ball, and you don't want to be entering into uh, extension negotiations with him around the idea of, all right, hey, we're going to hit the reset button here on you again, uh, when that's kind of how he got there in the first place. So it's been a, a weird, a little bit of a weird spot for the Hornets, uh, unlike 
some of the other teams in the league who I think were more, I like to call it naturally bad. Like they, they were either young. Uh, the Hornets didn't intend to be a bad team. They came in uh, with Steve Clifford as their head coach, obviously with the intention of, Hey, let's try to make a push. Let's see if we can make uh, the playoffs. Let's see if we can get there. And what ended up happening with them is a position instead where it is all of a sudden they had a ton of injuries. The wheels kind of came off and they just kind of found themselves into being a, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. So it's, it's a weird spot. I think, you know, maybe more than any team that isn't San Antonio, they've got to be kind of sitting there hoping for some real lottery luck uh, to, to land in their lap, you know, here in the, uh, in May when we have the NBA draft lottery, because they, they need a star. Yeah, one of the questions I had for you was, we've talked about the Detroit Pistons, San Antonio Spurs, the Houston Rockets, and how they've got a young core, and they may just, you know, keep keep the path. How do the Hornets compare to those three that were really bad or wanted to be bad because they wanted to have the uh, potential best odds? Are the Hornets in that same boat, or are they more trending towards – uh, should could be good with the right pieces. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. They are not in the same place as those teams, as far as those teams all project to have a good amount of financial flexibility this summer, along with high draft picks. The Hornets don't really project to have that that kind of financial flexibility. They 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 could get there, but they're that's not where they're at uh, at the moment. So that's a you know a little bit of a. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with guys like P.J. Washington and then Miles Bridges, who's kind of, you know, looming over all this uh, here. So that's a, you know, two twofold thing there. But on the flip side, they have LaMelo Ball, who is a better player than anyone on the Detroit, Houston, or San Antonio roster. So, so they're in a, you know, higher end starting point with a star already in, in, in the fold in Ball. But they're everything else is much more murkier than, than those other teams, which seem to have, you know, wh- whether they're going to try to really step forward this season or not, it seems like they have a far more clear direction. Whereas the Hornets are, well, we have ball and we're going to try to make everything work around him. Um, and then it's just kind of looking at it. It's like, well, you know, this didn't really work the way we wanted. This didn't really work the way we wanted. And that's why they're kind of in the spot they're in now. Is Clifford the right man for this job? for a rebuild or not a rebuild or whatever <laughs> path the Charlotte Hornets and the front office decide to to go with, is he the right man moving forward? Yeah, I tend to think he he's not going to be the right guy for a long-term rebuild. It's just not what he does. He He's never been that guy who is going to you know, come in and really, uh, you know, shepherd a super young roster into whatever's next. He came in, I think, with the idea of, all right, we've got some guys in place and you know we we can be pretty good this season. Not not great, but we can be a playing team, maybe make it into the playoffs. And that's where I think Steve Clifford can excel. So if they kind of wrote more or less run it back next year with all right, we're going to add the draft pick, but we're going to, you know, re-sign Washington and may, maybe bring Bridges back into the fold and Maybe they'll keep Ubre. Um, and then we've got, you know, LaMelo Ball. We'll have 
I don't know, 50 games of Gordon Hayward is all it seems like you can really count on. But Cody Martin will be healthy. We've got Mark Williams going into year two, and they, they really look at it and say, hey, you know, we kind of like what we've got here, and we can move this thing forward. Steve Clifford will have them playing competitive basketball night in, night out. They'll, they'll, they'll be in the mix at the very least in the Eastern Conference where it will be, you know, a kind of position of, all right, let's see, you know, if we can get into the, you know, seven to 10 range. And now that's where they're going to be uh, really pushing and fighting for. But the question is, is that really where you want to be? You know, do, do you want to be in that seven to 10 range? And I think that's where we've seen some teams, they, they get there and then they never get out. They, they, that's just kind of who they are. It's interesting, you know, their, their division brethren, the Washington Wizards, seems like that's forever their destiny. It's somewhere between 7 and 12 in the East, and that'll be what it is. Some years they're a playoff team. Some years they're not in the postseason at all. So I think that's where Charlotte's in a tough spot where they have the opportunity here to maybe do a pivot and say, all right, no, hey, we're, we're going to go into a slightly different direction, really retool this roster around ball, but I just don't know that that's the direction they're going to go. I think it's more likely you're going to see them more or less run it back with some changes around the edges than then, you know, hope whatever happens in the draft lottery is enough to lift them into getting a really great player to put next to ball, and that's how they're going to move it forward. Yeah, the roster situation is even, you know, not not so much an issue, but it could become an issue depending on the draft and free agency. They have 11 under contract right now, two of which are non-guaranteed. They could potentially have three or four free agents if they wanted to bring back some of their own. Five potential draft picks, depending on if they trade out of any of those spots. But right now, five draft picks, two of which are first rounders. So when you take all that into account, they're going to have roster space issues. So they're going to have to be smart with what they, with what they do, because, you know, someone's going to have to come off that roster come October. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what we don't uh, focus on quite as much because he wasn't on the roster all this year is miles bridges because, you know, just to, to educate everybody on where that situation stands, he's still a restricted free agent with the Charlotte Hornets. They still kind of control that entire process. It's, it's from a, and, and I'm not trying to um, undermine or, you know, uh, devalue any of the stuff that happened in the off season. Cause it was all awful. Uh, with Miles, Miles Bridges, and we've now heard he's got a uh, suspension coming his way that he'll serve a portion of next year and all that. But with him, the the from strictly a you know free agency salary cap sheet type thing, it's almost like last year didn't happen because he is just right back to where he was on July one of a year ago as a restricted free agent, sixteen million dollar cap hold, and. Charlotte will control that entire process. Now we could see before the end of June, maybe the Hornets say, you know what, we're just going to wash our hands of this. We're moving on and we want to go in a different direction and cut, cut him loose and, you know, non-tender him and let him be a free agent um, or an unrestricted free agent. We could see, it doesn't sound like that's where it's headed. They, they very uh, publicly floated what I, think and most assume was a trial balloon of sorts of all right let's see what this you know 
could look like and how do people maybe feel about it when uh you know we, we see this um you know there maybe we we are looking into resigning him they got you know a lot of backlash on that because i think it was just too early for anyone to consider that possibility so then what that turns into is all right, now we're in a position of, all right, well, we got to look at something different. And that's where, you know, as we start to kind of look look through this this Hornets roster is just from a strictly basketball sense, they're really missing a Miles Bridges type, another athletic forward who can do a lot of different things and really bring a different dimension to them as a team. They're, they're really miss, they, they really missed him last year. They're still missing that piece. So I, I think it's more likely than not we're going to see some kind of reunion. That's part of the reason it's him and mostly P.J. Washington, who we know they like as a restricted free agent this summer. That's why I project them staying over the cap instead of having, you know, some cap space to work with. Where they, they could have gotten to, you know, very reasonably, once you add in the draft picks, probably about 22 million-ish or so in cap space. And it doesn't seem like that's the direction they're going to go. It now seems very much like they'll function as an over-the-cap team this summer and probably focused on re-signing their own guys. Yeah, you mentioned Bridges' fit. What other areas of need do, do the Charlotte Hornets need to focus on as a to to round off their roster? What are they missing? Depth and in, in just upgrading their talent across the board. You mentioned they have two first round picks, so even if they don't land, uh, you know, super lucky in the lottery, they they should be in a position to really still get you know a couple good guys in in here. One, you know, gotta be a very likely to be a top five or six pick barring the lottery results. And if, you know, one or two teams jumps up and then they'll have the late first round pick uh, where they've done okay work, you know, a little bit later in the drafts. And then uh, in the second round, they've got a a whole bunch of uh, guys, you know, potentially coming in, including, you know, again, a high pick that's their own. They've got a couple that are coming their way. So lots of stuff. Uh, coming there they're definitely going to have some draft and stash or maybe you know package a couple of those picks together to move up slightly something like that maybe where they go but beyond well i guess it's not beyond but also part of why they need to add talent and depth is they're just their top line guys are injury prone hayward is out all the time he's you know i don't know that you go into a season planning on getting like i said before much more than 50 games out of him a ball is going to be coming off ankle surgery. Sounds like he thinks he'll be ready to go at the start of the season, but you may be kind of taking it easy with him. And then, you know, the, the rest of the roster, whether it was injuries that should have kept them out or not, there were guys who were down uh, longer. Maybe they could have returned late in the year and the team, you know, kind of looked at it and said, what's, what's the point? You know, there's no real reason here, but you had, uh, issues like that as well so uh, getting a guy like Cody Martin who's one of their more valuable wing players uh, and didn't play all that much this season due to injury getting him back on the floor and, and ready to go would be very big uh, for this Hornets team so they're, they're just in a very uh, you know tricky spot kind of all around where it is as you just look at the roster it's just you know more depth is needed almost at every position other than you know, they're okay at the five. That's probably the one spot where they're okay. And point guard, they're probably okay, provided you trust that, you know, ball can get healthy and back to, you know, somebody's going to play 70-plus games a year. Yeah, I pulled it up. We talked about this, uh, I think, with the Pistons. The Charlotte Hornets combined 
total games missed was fourth in the league yeah. this year. So the injuries were definitely a, uh, a contributor to them not being very good and having the potential number four pick and maybe even higher or lower, depending on where the lottery lands them. Um, so I, I agree. De- depth is key. This team, it seems like they're just going to have to slowly chip away at pieces and, and, and massage the roster uh, to in just player development for this team. You know, some of those lower end guys that they've already, like you said, Mark Williams and, you know, Kai Jones and whoever else that they need to uh, develop to really become those stars. This team kind of reminds me of, to a certain extent, Oklahoma City Thunder, where they have SGA and they had, you know, just guys that were there and they're, they finally have a direction, except they've acquired a lot of picks, and Charlotte doesn't necessarily have that amount of picks. But you've got that. You know, I also think Oklahoma City's done a great job developing their players. Right, you know, Charlotte, James Booknight, and Kai Jones. They, and, and I'm very you know, uh, reticent to give up on anybody you know year one or two in the league because it just is it, 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 too often or not we give up on these guys too quickly and then they come back when they come in as you know 19 year olds it's generally going to take a, a little bit of time but those two guys now you know we're, we're heading into next year and it's now it's year three it's time to make real moves if if you're those two guys and if you're the hornets you gotta figure out all right do we actually have something here or do we not because then it becomes a little bit more expensive of our proposition right now they're about 10.6 million combined for the two of them but that starts to become, all right, are we going to give these guys minutes? Are we not going to give them minutes? I mean, James Booknight had two-way players and other guys, late signees, playing over him all throughout the course of the season. Kai Jones only got on the floor at the very end of the year. It was second-round picks and you know other like all playing ahead of him as well. So it's just a very tricky spot where if you – it sounds great to have a bunch of picks, but if you don't hit on them, then all of a sudden you're kind of sitting there with, all right, well, those were a waste and, and we're kind of just stuck in the mud here. And that's where the Hornets have been. Yeah. Tough situation. I, I love teams that have player development. I, I, I love seeing these guys that come out of nowhere and then all of a sudden they're a name for themselves because the, you know, strength and conditioning coach or the, uh, you know, just, Top to bottom, the organization knows how to develop those players to get the most out of them, maximize their potential. Uh, I, I mean, I remember when Steph Curry was having injury issues and they had to do something different with him with strengthening his ankles mm-hmm. and look at where he is now. You know, if they didn't have those guys in, in-house to really know what to do, Steph Curry may not be the Steph Curry that we know him to be now. Um, so I, I really hope this team – can, and can turn it around just for the fact of let's get another team back into the mix where they should, could be. And with that being said, they don't have the cap space. Like you said, they, they're going to have to operate in a different manner, whether it's through extensions, through trades, through free agency. So first, let, let's go the extension route because you've alluded to the, the Lamella Ball extension um, so do you think Charlotte should, or is he worth the max at this point with the potential ceiling, or is it going to be, uh, uh, just below the max or where do you stand on the extension for Lamella ball? Yeah, he he's, it's funny. This is, 
the conversation we have all the time of you know worth versus what a guy will get paid. Those are two different things. And, and the NBA loves to pay for what you might yep, be worth. Absolutely. Not necessarily what you've done in the yep. past. That said, he was an all-star last season. So the 21-22 season, to be to be clear. So because we're in the playoffs, I'm still thinking of this one as this season. Um, he was an all-star that, that, that year. Then you get into a position where this year, he was arguably even better than, than he was a year ago. And outside of all the injury issues, probably was going to be an all-star again. He's only, uh, I believe, let's make sure I have this right. Yeah, he'll only turn 22 this summer. Guaranteed, they're going to offer him the max. Uh, you know, and guaranteed, he'll probably sign it, especially considering he's coming off a pretty serious ankle injury that you know, really kind of tanked his season and took him out of the mix. So that's going to happen. That's, that's going to come. I mean, 23, 8, or 23, six and eight in a steal and a half per game. Like that's just, you don't just get that right. That's that. Those are big time numbers, uh, no matter what the situation is. So we're going to see a full max. My guess is we'll even see a full max with uh, the offer of, you know, or the language, the designated rookie language that will bump him up to the 30% max tier. If, if he is, you know, makes all NBA or anything like that. And if you're Charlotte, you're probably feel pretty good because you're probably thinking, all right, we're, we're probably not going to have the level of team success from to get to those all NBA, but we'll put it in there just because if he breaks out, leads us to new heights, then we're happy to pay that. And you got to get that extension done because he is right now. There's other players I like on this roster, but he is by far and away the most important thing going on in Charlotte uh, and likely will be you know, even post draft because we've already seen he can be a good NBA player. You can't mess around with this and try to get cheap or questionable. You just got to get him paid and move, move this thing forward. Do you think there'll be language in this contract dealing with injury protections like we've seen with Zion or Embiid due to the fact that he's had a lot of wrist and ankle injuries? I don't think so, just because those are – those have to be so extreme where guy where we're talking about guys missing entire seasons and things like that. And that's not where uh Lamel Ball has been. He he hasn't missed, you know, he, he missed a half a year this year. He did miss time his rookie season, but second season he was mostly healthy. I think most of the games he missed were uh, you know, minor things or probably rest type games and the like. So I think those situations where guys came in with pre-existing issues and or you know had other things added that's when you get those added and it has to be pretty extreme I mean, it's it's obviously very rare right we've only seen it in a handful of contracts um that it's even gone that way and so i don't think ball will will be any position like that it just hasn't been that level of extreme injuries gordon hayward you mentioned about potential trade He's also veteran extension eligible. So if Charlotte doesn't find a partner or a team that just wants to take on and buy him out, is is it a potential option for them to do a veteran extension that is more team friendly? This is the kind of thing they've done that's cost them uh, dearly because I don't know how team friendly you could make it where anyone would feel good about it that Hayward right. would also sign it. So I would stay away. I think his value will lie in. He's $31.5 next year of expiring money. 
And that still has value, especially in the league where teams are going to be gearing up for, all right, there's going to be some cap jumps coming. Maybe we can get our books in order a little bit. Maybe, you know, you can take on Hayward's money and Charlotte can get somebody who's decent, but just the team would rather not have on their cap sheet, uh, you know, for the upcoming years. And that's how you re kind of balance for those types of teams there. So I, I would not extend him. I mean, because for me, it didn't have to be, half of what he makes now you know it'd have to be less than 15 million a year and even that i I, i'm not i don't feel real great about i mean he is gonna be let's see if i yeah he just turned 33 so this is a guy who he's already injured all the time he still is effective when when, when he plays he he still can you know do do a lot of really good things but this year i just want to make sure i i have it right i'm looking it up he played exactly 50 games now, in those 50 games, shot 47% from the field. Uh, he, you know, 81% from the line. Still, you know, four four rebounds, four assists, about 15 points per game. So still a good, effective player. But age 33, that injury history. I mean, in Charlotte, these are his games played. 44, 49, and 50. Uh, 52 in his last season with Boston. He had the one healthy year in Boston where he played 72, but since that, you know, horrific uh, ankle leg injury on opening night in 2017, he's just hasn't been the same guy as far as ability to stay on the court, even if his production level is still pretty good. So I think if you're the Hornets, you got to look at it and say, you know, let's just kind of either we wipe our hands clean of this by, by we we trade him or we just let this contract expire and we move on and you know pr- pretend this never happened and, you know be- better days to come because it, it's really been you know 120 million or so of just sunk money for the hornets at this point yeah it's got to be a sigh of relief for uh, hornets fans that the the light at the end of the tunnel that this contract could be off the books uh, maybe sooner than later if they can find a trade partner. If not, at least by the end of next season, uh, he he could be completely off mm-hmm. the books. So um, within the extensions, Charlotte extended Nick Richards. What are your thoughts on that? Is it a win-win for the player and the team? Um, I know there's non-guaranteed at the back end. So what are your thoughts on that extension that happened during the season? Yeah, and this is where I think the the reporting of a deal versus the actual details, which, you know, we we have all over spot track, all the actual details. But everybody saw, you know, three years, 15 million. And it's like, all right, five million a year is not bad. But then we find out it's really two years, 10 million, because that final year is, is completely non-guaranteed. So we end up landing in a spot where it's like, all right, that's even better. And I, I think this is the kind of smart uh, decision-making that we haven't seen enough of from, from the Hornets uh, in recent years. Nick Richards has become, at the very least, he is a good quality backup center, and you just locked him in for $5 million a year. Now, you can generally get a pretty good backup center for the minimum, but that tends to more be if you're a contender and it's a veteran guy who is looking to, hey, I want to go play somewhere and try to you know, make a playoff push, maybe even a title push. And that's not where the Hornets are. So to lock up one of their own guys, one of their own kids, one of their kind of play, player development success stories, that's that's really, really good stuff. So I, I think just this is the kind of deal where you feel really good about this for the Hornets because it's been a steady uh, climb for him, you know, from barely 
probably playing as a rookie to getting some minutes and looking pretty raw as a second year player to really becoming a productive guy. I don't, I don't know how many people realize this guy, if he had played more minutes, probably averages pretty close to a double double uh, with a couple blocks per game. And that's, that's, that's impressive stuff. So, so now you've got him, you've got Mark Williams, you've got your center spot kind of locked in and you feel pretty good about that moving forward. Yeah, that's one area less of need that they need to focus on, especially if they're young and they can really develop those players. Is is there a player on this team other than Hayward that should be moved via trade? Yeah, I would at least explore the market for Terry Rozier. See see what it looks like there, especially if you felt confident in, hey, we can go with a slightly younger player. But he's, his contract is fine for what he is. He's uh, $23.2 million next year, 24.9, And then a you know, very oddly, you know, almost like 90% or more guaranteed contract in his final season. So I'm just considering that to be well, basically fully guaranteed of twenty twenty six point six million. So I think um, he he's you know good for for what they need. Um, you know maybe it's slightly overpaid, but he's only twenty nine years old. He's you know still should have plenty of value. He's he can play both with ball and he can run the offense when balls off the floor. That's that has a ton of value uh, to be able to play both ways. So uh, for the most part, and then I would. I think we're getting close to the, you know, kind of Fisher cup bait time with James Booknight and Kai Jones. Like you've got to see, you know, my guess is there, they may be the rare uh, uh, guys coming off their second season going into the third year where we still see them at summer league because they just, they need those reps uh, just to, to play after, you know, kind of lost seasons for both of them. So I think, you know, you're going to get a look at them, whether it is in summer league or just in workouts and, you know, scrimmaging and the like, you'll get a sense of where they're at. And then maybe that's one where if not over the off season, you may be looking at it going into the summer or going into the trade deadline rather of, all right, you know, do, do we, you know, is this, is it time to move on from those guys? So it's, it's not, there's no one screaming of like, yeah, you definitely got to explore the trade market, you know, for this player outside of Gordon Hayward. Okay. Free agents. Uh, I'm going to give you three free agents of their own, and you can go in whatever order you want. Uh, P.J. Washington is a restricted free agent. Kelly Oubre Jr. is a unrestricted free agent. Dennis Smith Jr. on a minimum contract, but he's a unrestricted free agent. Go. Yeah, I think with the most important guy of that group is P.J. Washington. Obviously, he's the best player of the group. He's he's uh, really become a, a nice player uh, for the Hornets. This one probably comes down to, again, what happens with Miles Bridges? Are they going to bring him back? Can they bring both him and Washington back? Can you can you start both of them eventually in, in the lineups with likely probably Williams or Richards up front and then uh, Ball and Rozier in the backcourt and then whatever happens with Hayward um, you know, in this final season? So that, that could start to be our – we don't want to tie up that much money because – after this year, when the Hayward contract is off the books, you're going to have Ball, like I said, probably on a max deal. You've got Rogier. You're going to have whatever draft pick you had this season. Then it's about right, where are we going, you know, in the summer 2024 and forward, because that'll be where you'll be, um, you know, you know, with those few guys under contract. You're sitting in a pretty good place potentially. So that's where you have to decide: are right, do we want PJ Washington? I think if you can get him for 
somewhere in the let's say 12 to 15 million uh and average annual value range you probably do that and say all right he, even if he isn't a long-term fit that's still a very movable number we feel pretty good about where that's going given where the cap's headed and you just kind of move it on that way so i think i think he's like to be back Ubre. That one probably gets tied up in what kind of team are we hoping to be next year? If we're hoping to be a contender, well, then maybe we bring Kelly Oubre back. Uh, they, they've got his his early bird rights, so they they can um, you know offer him a decent contract using those rights and a decent bump in pay. Um, but this might be one where they just say, you know what, we got to get some of these kids these minutes. We can't have Oubre kind of eating up you know the wing minutes. So let's let's move on. We'll have Cody Martin back next year. Let's hopefully we can. Uh, get more minutes out of James Booknight and just kind of go in that direction. Bryce McGowans, who was a second round pick, two way player who kind of you know popped for them as the season went along. You know, we can get by with him as well. So he's probably gone. And then Dennis Smith Jr., super fun story that he, you know, uh we we heard in training camp he was considering making a jump to the NFL. He he was, you know, that's where his basketball career had kind of fallen to. And then he played so uh, well in, you know, summer league training camp, fought his way onto the roster. And now it looks like he's got his career on track and at the very least should be a you know, backup point guard option. My, my guess is the Hornets probably have a leg up on bringing him back because they gave him the opportunity and he got the chance with them. So I'm, I'm interested to see where that one goes as well. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but, this past uh, last few days, teams can now negotiate with these free agents right after the finals are completed, correct? So they could potentially have conversations with Dennis Smith Jr. immediately. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's the, you know, interesting change. Now, I think that's one where they can legally do it. <laughs> I think if we're all being honest, they were already, you know, having those conversations with, with their guys. But <laughs> right. but I think it's you know I I, I think it's a, now at least it puts it a little bit more in in, in a you know frame of reference of all right hey this is you know what we can do you know with, with these guys this is where we're at and then I think it's good for the player too because it gives the player a better idea on June thirtieth when the negotiation window opens. All right, this is what I know I have from, you know, the Hornets, if you're Dennis Smith Jr. All right, let's see what else is out there in terms of whether it be salary or role or whatever it is. Uh, You know, he could kind of go shop that, and I think that's a good good spot to be in as well. All right, one or two players you think from a league free agent standpoint that would fit well on this uh, Charlotte Hornets team? Yeah, this one's tough because it's – you know, I kind of almost want to say no one – because they don't want them to spend money and lock into you know questionable deals. But for the most part, you're looking at the the value wing players. If 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 you need anything, like we said, we feel pretty good about their point guards. Feel pretty good about their front court. So it really becomes the wing players. There's a guy who becomes really interesting for me just because he was give give them a little bit more size out there, and he's probably going to move on. Is someone like Lonnie Walker the fourth from the Lakers? I think he could be a guy who could fit uh, well in Charlotte. I, I think he could be a guy who does some stuff for them. Jalen Noel, another guard uh, you know, with pretty good size. I think he could be a good fit alongside uh, LaMelo Ball in some lineups. He could be a, a fun player. If they wanted to really uh, try to hurt it, 
division team, you could use your like non-taxpayer on a guy like Max Struess and try to get him away from the Heat, who you know maybe in a position where all right, you know we we we've got to reset our own books a little bit uh, with that, and then. If we go slightly different route, you know, and you're looking for more, hey, we just got to add more energy and, you know, uh, kind of oomph to, to this team. Guys like Yuta Watanabe or Juan Toscano Anderson, those are guys that are probably minimum type targets. Or, you know, if you really wanted to land them, give them a chunk of your, your MLE and move, move forward with that. But, you know, stay away from the more expensive guys. I don't know how they get, get there anyway, because they're only really going to have the MLE to offer. And then I would avoid, you know, there's no reason for this team to be in on guys like Danny Green or Justin Holiday or any of those kind of Will Barton type type of players that are in those, you know, kind of late career veteran guys, because it just doesn't make sense with, with where they're at as a, as a team. But if you can get, you know, a little bit more wing depth through free agency, yeah, absolutely. You'll look to do it and you'll go. And the good news is, like we kind of laid out earlier, they don't have a ton of roster spots to fill. So when you don't have that, you can kind of make a targeted signing where we're going to give player X our entire mid-level because we feel really good about getting him in and did, you know, feel really good about the way he fits. And that sometimes is a really nice spot to be in. Yeah. The more we've talked about this roster, there really is a fine line between the 23-24 season and the 24-25 season yep. as far as do do they just ride into the sunset with Gordon Hayward, let him come off the books, do what you need to, piecemeal, and and sort of restart and, and, and stink for next draft so that you can potentially have, you, you know, the number, quote-unquote, number four pick then have another horrible pick and and restock from there, but not completely rip a Band-Aid off because you've brought in other pieces and have some of those young guys? Or do you go in a different direction completely? They're in a very fine line of which way they can fall. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the Hornets coaching staff, front office, where they really want to take this roster um, so from, from your standpoint, uh, do you have any final thoughts with the Hornets roster before we transition to the positional? Uh, no, I mean, we talked about it. I'm, I'm very, very curious to see what happens with the Miles Bridges situation, just because it's not a spot we're generally in. So I, I, I think a lot of people are really going to be watching that to see, you know, is Charlotte wanting to bring him back? If they are, you know, are they just going to get it done? So it's not even out there as a possibility, you know, and that could be, you know, maybe one of the first deals we hear details on or, or something, or is this going to be one where the Hornets say, yeah, you know what, we're, we're kind of good to, um, you know, let this thing play out, let it kind of linger out there for a little bit and go from there. So that's going to be something that I think we'll all be keeping an eye on. But other than that, it's, you know, hope for lottery luck for these guys because it's they they are just you know as it stands right now it's like just kind of one of the more meh teams in the league just with the way everything is set up positional free agents uh last two positionals here shooting guards and centers these were fun interesting i'm glad you left these for the last because the depth in in especially in the centers um it, it, it it's a little overwhelming. it's a it's a great yeah. it's a great sign because the of the demarcation of the center position over the last few years to see how deep 
the center position uh, was. Uh, do you want to start with the centers or you want to start with the shooting guard? Yeah, guards? we can start with the centers since, since we're already kind of talking about them. So the the amount of names that are here, not only do we have names that are high caliber that have been playing, but I have been paid as well. You've got guys that are minimum or exception level guys that have been contributing this year. I mean, you, you have two all-stars and you have four starters. Um, so I kind of buried the lead in saying it's pretty deep, but from your standpoint, do you agree that the positional depth for the centers is deep or do you have different thoughts? No, I completely agree. And I think what's interesting as we look at this with the centers, what really jumps off the pages, unless you're going for one of those top few guys, don't pay for a center. It's just because these other guys are all going to get squeezed. I mean, half of this list or more are guys coming off of minimum contracts. And they're probably going to be right back on minimum contracts because there you've got the kind of top guys. And just to, as a refresher for anyone listening, all-star doesn't mean they're necessarily an all-star this season. It just means they have the potential to play at an all-star level. Um, that is kind of how we, um, you know, drop, drop it in there. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's two guys, Brooke Lopez and Nikola Vucevic. Uh, Lopez coming off, you know, almost one defensive player of the year and had a wonderful season uh, for the Bucs and has aged quite well into his new role. Uh, and then Vucevic is just, he's a walking double-double. Every time he hits the floor, he's going to put up, you know, somewhere between, you know, 15 and 20 points and grab 10 to 15 rebounds. And, and that has, you know, huge value and he does it on pretty good efficiency. Starter group gets into guys like Jakob Pertl, Christian Wood, Mason Plumley. Um, I'm pretty high on Nas Reed. I think he's a guy who could perform at a starter level. Again, not even all starters, right? Wood, Wood didn't start most of the year. Reed didn't start really at all this season, but they can produce at starter level. Then just a ton of rotation guys, guys that can either, maybe they start for you. Maybe they come off your bench. Uh, there's not a ton of high potential guys in here though. Those are more towards the bottom of this tier guys like Omer Yurt seven, Orlando Robinson, Luca Garza guys who have kind of come uh, through the G league process, but you have your kind of mainstay veteran guys like Andre Drummond is in this group. Kevin love Blake Griffin uh, guys who've just kind of been, you know, been there, done that kind of guys that, that I think, you know, you, you know, Hey, that's a guy we can get for, you know, likely on the minimum. And if not the minimum, you know, a small chunk of one of our exceptions. And then, then, you know, you get into the fringe guys. We don't need to really talk about them, but there's, there's a ton of options down in there as well. If you were like, you know, I kind of really still like you know, Willie Hernan Gomez. You could throw a contract at him and bring him in. Um, Alex Len, who's playing a big role right now uh, in the playoffs for the Sacramento Kings. He's a guy who could see his kind of uh, station in this all change. If he, you know, continues to produce on a you know very high level there. So, so I think we're at a spot where center position, you, if you're not in the mix for one of those top guys, there's just no reason to pay very much because you've got you know an overwhelming amount of options to pick from that you know you might be down to your fifth choice and you might be looking at it and saying you know what I'm still okay with this guy. Yeah, as we've talked about today and the last few episodes, depth. If you can get a depth, especially at the center position, because of all the 
pounding that those guys take in the paint, you know, you, if you can get them on a value deal, you got to take yep. it. Um, so it's good to see that the, this list is quite long because like I said, that for a position that has sort of, you know, gone by the wayside, but now we're seeing, you know, big guys that are up for defensive player of the years and uh, MVPs. It, it, it's a good sign to see that the, we're, we're sort of getting back to the more well-rounded from, from that aspect. It's, it um, reminds oh, me a little bit of running backs in the NFL where yes. it feels yep. like you nobody really wants to pay for one unless they're one of the absolute very best guys but you do feel it if you don't have a good one like like all of a sudden you're like man we we really need a good back you know we just need somebody who can you know chew up some yardage here help us kill the clock and, and when you don't have that you just really feel it and that's kind of what the center position almost feels like now where it's like yeah you know i don't you know, I don't want to pay for a guy, but but I also don't want to be down to you know two two guys who are in year twelve on you know minimum deals because that's you know the way I completely punted the position. It just feels a little bit weird in that respect. All right, which player is going to be the most sought after center or yeah center that teams try to go after? I think we're probably if if we get into it, I don't. I, I'm going to kind of take Lopez off the board because I don't think he's going to leave Milwaukee. I think there's a better chance we actually see him sign an extension. Um, I wrote about his extension possibilities for the site, um, you know, at, at, in, in length. So if anybody wants to to go check that out, you should. Um, so then that kind of pushes you down the list a little bit. I I think it might end up being Nas Reed because I think you're going to have some teams that look at it and say you know, the Wolves can't give Nas Reed a, a bunch of money because they already have a ton of money tied up in the center position in Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert and playing one of them out of position. Now you add Nas Reed to that mix on, you know, anything more than seven, eight million a year, that probably starts to get to be too much locked up in that position, knowing Anthony Edwards has a new contract coming his way and all the other things the Wolves are facing. So I think he's a guy I think you may see teams say, you know what, he's gettable and he's good and he's uh, still really young and, and pretty, pretty projectable moving forward. He'll be 24 going into next year. So I think you may see him be a guy who teams are really pushing hard to get player that is most likely to get overpaid in free agency it's probably Vucevic I, I think he's because he's really good right now um still he's probably going to get a pretty healthy contract I would really be pushing if I were the Bulls knowing he'll be 33 at the start of next season I want to give him you know a contract that that descends from year to year a declining contract because I want to really protect myself in case all of a sudden he completely ages out, you know, halfway through that contract. And it's like, he's not really playable anymore. And we're stuck here. I want to be able to have you know him on a better number. And I probably would push for either non-guaranteed money on the end or a team option or something like that. If you can get it. Which player do you think will have the most impact if on the right team with the right coach? Probably I'm, I'm still going to go with my guy, Christian Wood. I, I, I'm a big Christian Wood fan. I, I think it's you know odd to me that teams keep expecting him to be something he isn't and has never been. And then when he's not that, they get upset. And it's like, 
this guy, you know, put him in the lineup, get him the ball, let him score. And then if you, you know, if you can, if you can put four quality defenders around him, you're probably fine. But if you can't, then just let him do that off the bench for 25 minutes a night where he's going to eat up second units and he's going to come in and play really well against overmatched big men at times. And that that's a guy I think, you know, if you use him properly, you're going to get great, great value out of him. I just think, you know, the Houston situation was a mess. And then I think Dallas didn't really use him in the right ways and then wanted him to be something he wasn't. And then when he wasn't that, even though he's always been what he is, they 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 kind of put it on him and blamed him, and and that's always felt a little off to me. So he's somebody who I think can still you know really really blossom here uh, with the right team if they use him in the correct way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Fresh fresh coaching staff, friend, fresh front office, fresh roster. Go to a play, have the choice to go where he actually wants to go. I think he could be that piece that a team is missing that could get them over to that next level. So I totally agree with that. Uh, Shooting guards. So when we look at the shooting guards, you've got a lot of starter tier, uh, only one all-star, but overall, um, how's the positional depth look for shooting guards in free agency this upcoming season? Really good. And you've got a lot of different things you can get out of this position, which makes this a really uh, fun spot to look at. Like you said, the one all-star James Harden at the top, he's still, you know, still great, you know, still playing really, really well. It kind of, it feels like we should be talking about this as like, eh, but he's not really there because he's just going to resign with Philly, but the Houston noise won't go away. So we've got to kind of just, you know, keep that, keep them in that mix there. And then you get into that starter tier and you've got guys like Bruce Brown, Jordan Clarkson, Josh Hart, Austin Reeves, who is just, you know, I jokingly said we should pronounce his name like cash register sounds uh, with the way this playoffs is going. Gary Trent Jr., pretty good good player uh, himself. And Gary Trent Jr., this just kind of jumped out at me. He's only 24, um, which uh, it feels like he's been in the league for like 10 years already. It's only been four years. Um, but then, you know, even as you get further in, Malik Beasley maybe could be out there. Dante DiVincenzo, Max Struess, Josh Richardson, I guess like Seth Curry, Matisse Thibel. If you just want a, a, a defense player that needs to you know, still figure it out offensively. And then you've got you know, a ton of veteran guys um, that you could you know, look at. Uh, Victor Oladipo, maybe. He probably picks up his option, given what's going on with him in his career. But guys like Troy Brown Jr., um, who's had moments with the Lakers. Hamadou Diallo, who's still an interesting player. If, if you need depth. Designated shooters. You've got guys like Damian Lee and Justin Holiday. So, ton of depth in this position. It's a really spot where you know we may see quite a few guys moving teams uh, out of this group. But I think we're going to be in a spot where we see you know teams can really kind of go value shopping here to fill a specific need uh, out of this group because there's just a lot of guys here that that can bring you. All right, we need a shooter. Great. We need a wing defender. Great. We can go get that. And then, so you're going to see. I think a lot of MLEs you on this position and those things because that's that's uh this is one of the spots where a lot of the talent lies in free agency i think i know your answer to this one but which player is going to be the most sought after yeah it's probably reeves um just because james harden's in such a weird spot uh bruce brown and reeves i think are probably the two that i would go you know the one one a of the group because i don't think jordan clarkson 
is leaving Utah. And if he does, that'd be a little bit of a surprise. I think Josh Hart will opt out, but ultimately resign with the Knicks. Gary Trent Jr. is just, to me, is a, a, a touch below uh, Brown and Reeves. But Reeves is a restricted free agent and arenas free agent. Teams are going to really want to put the Lakers, I think, in a really tough spot. So unless we get news kind of right away on June 30th of Austin Reeves has agreed to a new deal with the Lakers, almost you know, one of those ones that lands right after the the uh, uh, negotiating window opens, um, we could see. So I think we're in a spot where it becomes, you know, we're with this of, you know, hey, let's see, you know, well, what this kind of um, looks like here. But he, he's going to be somebody who's going to make himself a ton of money. And I think a team could really put the Lakers in a really tough spot because of the arena stuff. I won't get into all that now because we have a piece up on the site that breaks down all of that in detail if you want to know about that with Austin Reeves. Yeah, his situation is fascinating. And every game that he has another stellar performance just elevates the the talking points of Lakers versus the money he's going to make, what team. I, I'm really interested to see how that situation plays out. And because he can do so many things, he fits everywhere. He can play right. on ball. He can play off ball. He can hold his own defensive. He can play really any position one through three. So, you know, all these teams with cap space could look at him and be like, hey, if we want a guy who can really come in and fit around our other core guys, like, yeah, we're happy to throw him 20 plus million per season. And then you're kind of putting the Lakers in a spot where it's like, yeah, boy, do we really want to match this or not because of the uniqueness of him being an arenas free agent in a way those cap hits would land on the Lakers books and the like. Real, real quick, is he a potential sign-and-trade candidate even though he's a restricted free agent? Yeah, I, maybe. I don't think so. I, if I was the Lakers before, you know, if, if it was, all right, we're going to go the offer sheet route and, you know, we're – we're, we're probably not going to match. I would try to explore that at least to say, Hey, you know, team X that's going to sign him, you know, well, let's rather than play this restricted free agency game, let, let's uh, go. But I think it's probably one where the Lakers want to keep him enough that it turns into you're, you're going to have to really come with such a great offer for him in a sign and trade that it's probably not worth it on their end. Okay. Which player is most likely to get overpaid? James Harden, um, and that's just because they don't trust what years three through four or five might look like on his next deal. I think next year, fine. The year after that, probably okay, and it'll probably start to slip. But we have seen slippage in his game um, now. And then year three, maybe we'll see. But year four, year five, that may be one where now you're paying you know, 40, 50 million a year for past performance. And that's just just kind of the way it works you know for him where it's at he, he's a perfect example too of you know all right let's see what this looks like and then you've got over 38 our rule kind of uh, restrictions in there that get kind of tricky that they're gonna have to figure out and work around so yeah i think he's probably the most likely guy if we go a little bit differently on the list it's probably jordan clarkson 
just because again he's a little bit older uh now he's going to be 31 uh at the start of next season so you know you, you got to kind of make sure you're putting him in the right role if you pay him like he is a you know true starting uh guard and you know an all-star maybe potential guy you're probably going to feel pretty bad about that contract but if you keep it reasonable at very least you've got yourself one of the best combo guards coming off the bench so he he's probably the next one up and then and just he's further down on the list and it's just more out of curiosity is max Struess and the heat because they're just in this such a weird spot where can they afford to pay him after paying duncan robinson and having that whole thing kind of go sideways on him that's going to be a weird spot as well player you think would have the most impact with the right coaching staff right front office right team yeah it's bruce brown and you kind of hope it some way the Denver Nuggets can figure it out, but it's just, he was one of those signings where it was like, okay, what a great value signing for the Nuggets, but what great value signings are is they're good for now. And then they're not great because then you don't have any rights to bring the guy back on anything reasonable. And they're, they're going to be a tax team next year, you know, bar, barring something really unexpected. So that's going to put them in kind of a tricky spot on what they can do to even keep uh, Bruce Brown around. And then that's going to turn into, all right, this guy's just good. He's just really, really good. He's good on ball. He's pretty good off ball. He can defend. He can play a lot of different positions, can really defend uh, almost any position other than the five on the floor. Um, so that's really important for him uh, in his value. So I think that's one where the Nuggets may get squeezed on what they can do to keep him. And then he'll fit in perfectly uh, to so, somewhere else with with uh, you know another team. And then I think if we you know went a little bit deeper in, into the list, guys, Guys that you know, I think could really show up. I think Jalen Noel is a player I still like. I still kind of believe uh, he's had a lot of injuries and he's had a very inconsistent role. But I think that there's something there if the right team kind of snags him. And I feel the, the same way with Lonnie Walker too. He he showed enough that it's just been this weird season where he didn't fit well with the Lakers. I, I think you know, he's another guy that if a team, the right team, kind of got him, he could be a you know pretty still a pretty impactful player. Great stuff on these pieces. Uh, a lot of insight. If you haven't taken a look at all of the positional, all five uh, articles that Keith has put up, take a look, give us a read, and uh, would love to hear your thoughts. Keith, what do we have next? Uh, we're, we're, we're right into the teams now. Now now we're, we're going to keep uh, plugging along with the teams. We've got uh, – we're into the kind of – the the middle bad teams, I guess is, is the best way to describe them. So we got Portland, Washington, Indiana, and then Orlando, uh, who was really kind of fun. And then we're getting into the teams that were you know, in the play in mix all the way until, till the end of the season. And some of them in the playing tournament itself. So we got to get a lot of those to come. Hopefully we'll get these all wrapped up with these teams that are, uh, been, have been eliminated already. And so that way, as teams start dropping out of the playoffs here over the next week and a half or so, we can start dropping those as soon as those teams are out. All right. Thanks, Keith. Looking forward to that. For Keith Smith, I'm Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next podcast.